Welcome to the Crave Magazine Podcast, feeding your soul with art. Are you willing to do what it takes to get to the next level? Artists are necessary to prove things that are impossible to prove. Don't be afraid to try new things and you can do whatever you want to do. If we're doing it right, music is the soundtrack to our lives. If you believe in yourself, work in I'm here today on the podcast. I'm very excited. I'm with the two guys that I followed for a little bit of time here, a few years. They actually provided some music or allowed me to use some of their music in our first podcast. I'm here with Amani Friend and Trevor Moontribe from Desert Dwellers. Welcome to the podcast, guys. And thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. I like to start out the podcast with a little bit of an inspiration. Um, it's an arts podcast. So uh, I want to hear from both you guys, an artist or it doesn't actually it doesn't have to be an artist. It could be a musician. It could be a piece of art, it could be spoken word or movie, just something that inspires you guys that you take with you throughout your day. Amani, why don't you go first? Wow, that's actually a tough one. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm inspired by so many things like going for a hike in nature and listening to nature sounds or hearing a DJ set, you know, or, you know, it's just so many things that come into my inspiration, okay. you know, that it's hard to really pinpoint one thing that I take throughout <laughs> my day, you know, it's like, it's an ever flowing constant. You guys have a lot of nature sounds in your music as well. So yeah. I can see how that would inspire yeah, you for exactly. sure. For sure. Uh, Trevor, how about you? What inspires you? Well, every day is different. <laughs> Some days I don't really think about that. If I had to pick a musician or an artist or something, uh, I guess, Maybe John McLaughlin. Okay. Why do you say him? Just because his music has always stuck with me since I was a teenager, and I find what he has done to just be beyond and really very interesting. Sure. Sure. Okay. I will say, you know, growing up, Bob Marley was a huge inspiration for me. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick one musician. Bob Marley is a classic. It's classic. It's classic. Well, let's get into your story a little bit. Uh, You guys... Doing, we're doing this podcast actually I'm sitting here live with Amani we've got Trevor in LA and um, but you guys play together you make music together you guys tour together let's get the story of Desert Dwellers and how you guys came about and and how you got from where you started to where you are today yeah Trevor and I met um, in the 90s actually uh, doing outdoor electronic desert parties okay and they would last all night long and trevor was a well-known dj in and still is in the moon tribe collective in california i lived in new mexico at the time and was doing a similar thing with my friends on a smaller scale and we would bring the moon tribe djs out to new mexico and um yeah trevor and i met and started working on music right away trevor you talk a little bit about moon tribe yeah moon tribe is a um collective of people in Los Angeles, been doing full moon parties in the desert since 1993. Um, They're very simple underground events, donation based, um, non-commercial, meaning that there's no promotion for the events. Uh, There's no Facebook event page or anything like that or flyers. Next month is the 25 year anniversary of these gatherings. Wow. 
Have you played every month, or do you play often there now? Um, I play when I can. Usually, if the events are on a weekday, then I can do it, because Desert Dwellers is booked most weekends. Sure. And luckily, Moon Tribe sticks very strictly to the actual full moon. Okay. So if the full moon is on a Tuesday, then the party's on a Tuesday. Um, so those ones I get to attend, and every now and then on a weekend as well. And yeah, I, I do it as much as I can because I like to still take part in in kind of where I started and, and give back to my roots and and not get not a uh, loose loose track of that. And totally underground, you say. Indeed. Yeah, that's cool. And Amani, before we start recording, you were talking about your history as far as a musician and went to school for music. Both of you guys are, are music graduates, is that correct? I am not. You are not. So what, Trevor, why don't you talk a little bit about your music and then we'll come back to Amani, like your background. Um, I started playing guitar when I was 12. And um, I was in bands in high school, like metal bands and stuff like that, and also making acoustic music. And at like 17, I discovered the rave scene in LA and put my guitar away and got drum machines and synthesizers <laughs> and sequencers and stuff and started making electronic music. And that was in 1992. Okay. That's a huge and difference. I've just stuck with that since. I was going to say, it's a huge difference between like metal and what you guys are doing today. Well, I mean, as a DJ, I, I play you know, Psytrance and heavier techno, which I definitely feel like that heavier side of my early days of music transferred into that a bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely different. And Amani, how about you? Yeah, I started with piano um, when I was five and also did a lot of bands and ensembles in high school. Um, I did go to music school in from 94 to 98, okay. and at that point I was really got into electronic music. Actually around 98 I started getting into like sequencing, and and um, during college I also got into a lot of world music, mm -hmm. like uh, hand percussion and didgeridoo and, and different kind of world music ensembles combined with a lot of classes in electronic music and jazz theory and all sorts of stuff and okay. just sort of blended it all together and um, when I got out of school it was actually right when I met Trevor so I just right away got into writing electronic music and getting into that scene which I was already involved in as a participant and um, did you meet him in a moon drive event is that what you said um, yeah we actually did five year five okay. year anniversary of moon tribe okay yeah. How, what, how did you guys decide to start collaborating together? I mean, what was it that you said, hey, you're like, you know, hey, you're good, you're good, let's do something together. How did, how did that come about? I think because we had such different interests and backgrounds that it worked really well together. You know, and I, pro I provided a lot of interesting, unique sounds that are hard to come by okay. through some of the collaborations I was working with in Santa Fe. Okay. And Trevor had a really good um, DJ background for many years at that point, and so it was when we worked together, it was just like a really good alchemy. Uh, we were working on more like up-tempo tribal tech house okay. tunes for a while. And um, yeah, there's just a really good synergy there. So we just kept at it. On the on the Desert Driller site, there's a lot of different uh, sort of genres or subgenres of music. And you talked about a couple today. I have never even heard of. Psy trance or Psy step and... 
talk a little bit about that. Like, how how does it determine? Like, this is this kind of music, and this is that kind of music. There's little subgenres. How is that determined when you're creating something? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the subgenres get very subjective really quickly. Yeah, and, and we tend to stay with the bigger, more well-known genres. Okay, like down tempo or chill out for what we do. Yeah, or you know, psytrance is a huge genre in yeah. itself all over the world. Sidestep is a more kind of subgenre that not a lot of people use, but for us, it's like when you have very psychedelic music that's half the speed of Psytrance, which sure. is 140. Okay. So you're writing at like 70, yeah. and it has like a halftime psychedelic feel. So we use Sidestep for that. It's like a combination of dubstep, psychedelic dubstep, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the subgenre thing gets a little out of control sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Trevor Armani was telling me earlier before we started recording that in the early days, you used to go out to where he lived. You live in L.A. and you used to go out to visit him where you guys would make your music. And now with the advent of the Internet and technology, you guys are able to, to create and produce music being in two separate parts of the world. I, I find that pretty fascinating. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing that you can be in L.A. or you can be anywhere and creating music and you guys are passing that back and forth. Trevor, would you talk a little bit about that collaboration process? How that, how you guys go from like a blank page to a completed track or a completed album? Sure. You know, it, it does come with its challenges. We don't work in the same room almost ever, and um, and you know, it it probably would be nice if we could work in the same room a little bit more often. But we've really mastered this kind of thing of working on our own and. You know, either of us will start a track, and when we feel like we've gotten it to a certain point that that we want each other to start adding our own ideas or different stuff to it, then we just put the project on Dropbox and and send it off. And we just keep going back and forth like that until we have enough elements to arrange the track, and then we both work on the arrangements and... Then we work on the mix, and then we send it off to mastering. So it's not that much different than than working together. Really, it's just um, convenient because we don't want to live in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, what's wrong with Boulder? It's great out here. <laughs> I love Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was telling Amani, I used to live in I lived in Boulder when I first moved to Colorado, and coming up. To, to, to meet him at the studio was a road that I used to bike on all the time. It's a very difficult road to bike on. So all these memories came flooding back about Boulder. Um, but I like LA too. It's a nice place to visit. Yeah. That's how I feel about Boulder. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> also, um, I did want to say it's, we do see each other every weekend, right? So yeah. we're able to touch base and talk about music projects and swap projects really easy that, that way. And, okay. Um, Another really cool component of the traveling is we'll run into musicians um, who we record, and it's like we're on an extended collage of different projects, you know, adding sure. these different elements as we travel around, especially when we go to Australia or Europe. Sometimes we'll find a singer or something that's really awesome. So we, you, know, we guys, like if you're going to do a, say you're going to do a, a festival on like a Saturday night and you guys have some extra time, would you get with a musician or somebody on your downtime and say hey let's record some stuff or how does that work we've definitely been known to do that yeah. on a number of occasions especially for this new album we're working on breath okay yeah okay we'll get more into breath here in a little bit let's i want to talk about 
so you guys played recently in Denver, and I and I happened to catch the show, and you guys went on at twelve thirty, and you guys were the headliners at twelve thirty, and that I noticed a lot of a lot of festivals that are go twenty four hours. You know, you'll have bands play throughout the night, but do you guys normally play a late night like that? Like, oh yeah, that's very typical. That's, that's your thing. Yeah, that's, that's the start. Yeah. How did that? How did and, that come about? And sometimes at festivals, we'll get booked for sunrise yeah. slots, you know. So it's either stay up all night or take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trevor, how did you end up, like, you said you got into the rave scene from the from doing metal and, and rock and whatnot. How did you transition, or how did you end up choosing, both of you guys, I guess, how did you end up choosing this style of music as something that you were going to uh, pursue further and grow? Um, well, I wouldn't say I, I found the rave scene through being into metal or anything like that. Cause that, that's not how it really went. Um, I was, you know, I grew up in East Los Angeles and I grew up around a lot of violence and stuff. And for me, it was just really nice to get into something that was so, so peaceful. Sure. And the rave scene was, was that, and I, was a psychedelic explorer in high school and um, the rave scene presented this place where that was happening and people were getting together in a very peaceful way in large numbers and I found that really interesting and and then I just found music that I really liked and that was that so um, as far as the music that we're making now, the down-tempo and chill-out stuff, Desert Dwellers originally was a side project for us because we were making up-tempo house and some side trance and things like that that were much faster. And as a DJ, I usually play music that's, that's up-tempo and much faster. So the down-tempo thing, at first we were just thinking, oh, let's, let's have a side project that, where we make some chill-out music. And it just so happens that in the United States, especially, people just really go for the slower music, and it became very popular. And so we're able to tour with it. But if you had asked me in you know 2001 if I thought we'd be touring playing slower music like we are now, I probably would have thought you're crazy. <laughs> There's no way that's gonna happen. I actually uh, hear your music a lot in the yoga scene, and I know it's played a lot in the yoga scene. Was that something that you guys ever thought you'd be involved in? Uh, initially not really you know when Trevor and I worked on that original down tempo project yeah we did an album actually of down tempo tracks for Burning Man okay I gave them away as gifts and it was a lot of East Indian influence tracks uh -huh. you know yep. really chill and um, but we didn't make it for yoga that's for sure right you right. know and it wasn't until four year, years later that um, another friend of ours who was also involved in Moon Tribe named uh, Ra Ra Avis he was working on these DVDs, um, scoring music for yoga DVDs, and um, was looking to license some music, and he wanted to remix those initial tracks that Trevor and I did. And in addition to that, he wanted to bring someone on board to write a bunch of new scores for DVDs over the next three years. So we, you know, he and I ended up writing a bunch of music that was made for yoga teachers to talk on top of, basically. Okay. So, that ended up being really popular within that market because there was really a need for that music at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we didn't like actively, you know, go out and do that, but it ended up 
just happening. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I guess it, like you guys obviously enjoy it. You know, you're still doing it, and it's growing, and it's getting bigger. I think you're getting a, a bit much bigger audience. It seems like every year. Are you guys doing that shift because that's the audience? Like you both have side projects, and you both have other things that you're doing that you're I'm sure you're very passionate about. But it seems like of all the things that you guys are doing, Desert Dwellers is the one that currently is the most successful. Would you guys say that's true? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I guess my question would be: as long as as long as Desert Dwellers keeps growing, you guys are going to keep keep doing it, right? Yeah, as long as people are booking us, you know. There's <laughs> <laughs> a question for the fans. The fans want to hear you guys keep going, which leads me to the new album that you guys are coming out with, uh, Breath. Can you talk a little bit about that? Trevor, why don't you tell me your side of breath? Well, the early Desert Dwellers albums that Amani was referring to that were written for uh, the yoga teachers were all part of a series called Down Temple Dub. And breath was or is the uh, final album of that series. Even though we're not calling it Down Temple Dub breath, uh, we're just calling it breath. Okay. It's sort of taken on a bit of a different energy than what we originally were thinking. We've been really inspired by a subgenre of, of electronica and house music these last couple of years. It's, it's hard to even define, but it's just like slow house music with a lot of world tribal elements. Yeah. And so the album takes on that vibe and energy more than anything else. Um, it, it definitely will fit in for the yoga people. We, we see them really enjoying using this music in their classes and practice. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a slow house music album and very tribal. We've recorded, I think, over 25 different musicians for it. Wow. So it's got a very organic feeling to it. There's not a lot of synths and electronic elements per se. I think it's a very unique album for us. It doesn't sound like any of our past records or anything like that. It's not bass music, which our crowd has come to kind of classify us as, or, or other people have put us into that sort of box. So we're very interested to see how our, our fans react to it. So far, our diehard fans who have heard it really love it. And um, we think that also it will expose us to a different market okay and we really feel strongly about that because you know there's only so much room to grow in every little niche of electronic i think and and we always are wanting to expand and 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 gain new fans and i think this album will really do that sure sure i love that you guys collaborate with a lot of different artists not not just uh musically but but visually um you guys have at your shows there's three different artists painting. Um, you had Android Jones doing the visuals that were projected on you guys. What is it like to always have always have that spotlight, like that visual spotlight when you guys are playing? Because you guys don't, you guys can't really see it, can you? You can't, unless you turn around and look at the screen behind you, you just see the lights, right? We pretty much never see the visuals, you know? <laughs> I've always wanted a little um, monitor okay. right next to us so we yeah. can see what's going on behind us. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> you guys, so when you guys play, oh, let me back up. You guys have created out. Al- you guys like say you create an album and then you go and you play that album live. We've talked about this a little bit. Do you guys both add layers on top of it that are, are not on the studio recording? We're we're running a 
pretty unique rig that um, we came up with in 2012 where we run Tractor and Ableton on two different laptops. And what's Tractor and Ableton? So Tractor is a DJ program okay. and it has effects. And Ableton is a music creation program where you can um, load a bunch of different sounds and trigger them and add effects. Okay. Um, so we sync those two computers up together. Trevor is running Tractor and I'm running Ableton. And um, with the Ableton, I'm able to add sounds from our previous albums okay. and put them and weave them into the new the newest tracks we've written in a fresh way and the the computers are perfectly synced and it's you know it, we're able to have the the new sounds in the same key of the tracks we're working on okay. very easily like Ableton's a very fluid program for that so it works really well for the specific thing we're doing okay. in that setting yeah i'm guessing you guys also have a set list right just like a regular band that would have you guys know what songs you're going to be playing throughout the whole show right usually not no really usually only for the bigger beyond shows okay we'll know exactly what we're doing because we have a lot of performers a lot of dancers and aerialists musicians everything's got to be and so everything has to be perfect for that yeah. so they have to know um typically when it's just trevor and i will generally know what we want to do but we'll also be able to flow in the moment okay and that's what's really nice about having you know trevor doing the DJ part is he—he's his brain is really focused on the vibe in the room and where we should go. Right. And then I'm following along and finding the key and adding sounds. Oh, cool. Okay. And, you know, we we have a lot we can do in the transitions between songs because yeah. th there's so much we can add. You know. Okay. Yeah. Have and we have so much music. You know, we have so many songs of different styles and different genres and stuff. So we. We have a lot of room to improvise in our sets and just completely go in a different direction if we feel we need to. And often we do. You know, sometimes we think, oh, this is what we're going to play tonight. And then you get there and the crowd is way more mellow or their crowd is really wild and we want to play a more energetic set or something. So, and we can also add a DJ element to our sets where we play other people's music because ultimately what we're doing is, is kind of a elaborate DJ set sure so sometimes we might feel like we need to throw in a track or two from from stuff that we DJ and that really helps as well and yeah I just think that we have a, a, a great diversity that that really helps us make our sets unique and and have the ability to go anywhere we want you guys both do this full-time right you guys don't have day jobs. Is that correct? That's right. We both quit yeah. in 2012. <laughs> what was the last day job that you had? Uh, I worked for a web design company for 12 years as a graphic designer. Wow. Photoshop. Okay. And Trevor? I worked for a music distributor for eight years. Okay. So you were both in, a creative, in creative fields. Yeah. What, what was the catalyst or what was the, the moment where you're like, this is it. I'm doing this full time. I'm, this is where it belongs. Well, when I looked at my calendar and I saw enough gigs booked for like six months where I could pay my rent and not starve. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and and I immediately went to my boss and told him I quit. <laughs> Did you give a two-week notice or just that was it? You're done? I gave him more than that. Okay. Um, I've been working for the company for a long time and helped them really kind of grow from like eight people to over a hundred. So... You know, we had a good relationship, and I'm still friends with him. And 
and so I wanted to leave on good terms. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Amani? Yeah, I was the main the main gra- graphic designer for for that company for like ten years. So um, I actually also when I saw we had enough gigs, I I went on sabbatical just <laughs> just to be sure I still had a job, but I never went back. Okay, still on sabbatical. <laughs> still on sabbatical. <laughs> Do you think you could come up today and be like, yo, man, I need some hours? I'm sure I could, <laughs> but I have no need for it. Right, right absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What, what are some a couple challenges that you guys have had, like just growing this music? Growing, I mean, you guys have really defined, I think, this genre. You're doing something with Desert Dwellers that is pretty unique. What are some challenges that you guys have had along the way? Well, for me, like the intense touring schedule that okay. we hit right away like 2013 14 15 was really challenging all of a sudden because before that i was mostly in the studio doing projects for you know the dvds and all these things or doing graphic design yeah but i was able to be home and take care of myself better and you know once we got on the road everything went haywire and my health got really bad and my back started hurting and you know it took a while to kind of navigate how to you know, be healthy and sure. how to not have back pain. Yeah. And now I feel great, but you know, there's definitely a big challenge there. Well, that's, and that's what we're talking about with Avicii. Yeah. And he had said he got sick from doing too many shows and touring really like nonstop. And then of course drugs and whatever else caused a downfall. But yeah, I guess touring can be really, you said one year you guys did a hundred shows in a year. That's yeah. Like, in 2014. That's a lot. Yeah. I and mean, there's only 52 weeks. That's two shows a week at least. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor, how about you? What what challenges have you had to overcome? I mean, the same. You know, it's I had been in boot camp for this a lot longer than Amani had. Okay. So I feel like it wasn't as hard as me physically. You know, I'd been traveling quite a bit as a DJ for many years since the 90s. Definitely not nearly as much as we travel now. Yeah. And have been since we started touring. But I had been doing a lot of gigs for a long time so it wasn't as challenging on that level for me but it is exhausting when you're traveling a lot and and success comes with its own pressure you know you i feel like we've got to be making new music and we've got to be making music that's getting better and that new people like and our current fans like too and and it's it's just a different level of pressure and I think for us, what allows us to keep going is that we aren't addicted to drugs. We aren't alcoholics. We don't party very often ourselves. Um, we're sober 98% of the time, probably <laughs> even more. Okay. Rather than hanging out at the party and doing all the after parties and everything, we want to get back to the hotel and go to sleep. So I think that keeps us in good shape. We eat pretty good. But of course, with anything, there's challenges. Sure. You know, you, it is a job. We're, we're tired sometimes. Sometimes we have three or four gigs in a weekend and they're far away from each other with long flights and bad timed flights where they're early in the morning because that's your only option and you slept three hours if you're lucky and, and all that. So, yeah, I think the exhaustion can be really hard to deal with and just being away from home. You know, both of us are homebodies. We want to be in the studio. We want to be hanging out with our sweethearts and our kitties and stuff and just, you know, relaxing. So it's challenging like anything. I was going to ask if you guys play at a festival. It's like a three-day festival. Do you guys partake at all? Or do you, do you, like you said, you just like, we go back to the hotel. We need to 
sleep and re get rested. Do you guys ever partake in the festival? Depends on the festival. Okay. We do sometimes, and so, and a lot of times we don't. There's some festivals where we have tons of friends there. Uh, we really want to hear the music, or we just love the festival, or there's a reason for us to want to stick around, and, and we'll stay the whole weekend. This last weekend, it went to Lightning in a Bottle, and we weren't even booked. <laughs> nice. Um, I did a DJ set there, but it, you know, I went for the weekend mostly because I have tons of friends there. Sure. It's basically an LA-based event, and my girlfriend went with me, and it was just a fun weekend out. So that does happen. What's been the coolest place that you guys have ever played, Amani? Um, the most epic place was right in front of the Great Pyramids in 2012. Really? Yeah, I saw. Yeah. You guys have a picture of yourselves on the right on your site with with. The pyramids behind you. That was the most epic? That was pretty epic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about you, Trevor? Hard to beat. I mean, that one's pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, that's unique and probably once in a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, Red Rocks was definitely, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. I played on the beach in, in Bahia in Brazil a few times on my own, and that was really amazing. You guys mentioned Red Rocks. We're here in Colorado, and... Uh, the last musician that I interviewed, Megan Burt, she also talked about Red Rocks, and I think those of us who live in Colorado may be a little spoiled because of Red Rocks, but it's still, I mean, from a musician standpoint, how does that stack up to just a location to play compared to other places? Well, it's one of those bucket list things, right? Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> like as a musician, every musician wants to play there. Okay. There's no doubt. And the fact that we've gotten to do it twice, it was just so fortunate. And we feel really lucky to have been able to do that. And when you walk backstage and you see all the names of the people who've played there and you get to sign your name in the in the stairwell yeah. thing and everything, it's just it's surreal. And, and it's a musician's dream. That's, that stairwell is pretty amazing. And the fact that it's they didn't paint over it or like the signatures are there from day one is fantastic that's a fantastic piece of history why let me ask you this why should we care about music either of you guys <laughs> my typical question is why should we care about art but specifically why should we care about music well i feel music is the only universal language in the whole planet you know two okay. two musicians who don't speak any anything to each other could still play music together and still talk the musical language sure yeah, and so it connects cultures. It, you know, there's no borders there. You know, yeah, it, it connects people, and people have, you know, a, a really deep affinity to to music. Like it, it helps them remember things. Like if you hear a piece of music, you'll remember that time perfectly. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, for sure. And so yeah, it's just an ex extremely powerful influence to people's psyches, uh, in so many levels. You know. And, so yeah, we should definitely pay attention to music. <laughs> have, you, have you guys played or made music with somebody that you couldn't speak to? You couldn't speak the language with? Um, not personally, no. No, Trevor, have you done that? Had that experience? Mm, no, I can't not, say I have. Not yet. Yeah. Put that on your list of things to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it happens when we play music around the world. Though we play our music, and the audience understands it. You know, sure. Because, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah happens all the time i can't really think of a reason to not listen to music yeah for sure 
for sure. What, what do you guys hope to give to the world as artists? What, what, what do you want your legacy to be? I think we just want people to be happy and have a good time, you know, and enjoy their lives. Yeah. 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 Trevor? You know, as a musician, myself and a DJ, when I look out at the crowd and they're just dancing so hard and, and having this sort of ecstatic moment and just letting go and, and feeling really great and feeling good together, that's just such an incredible feeling. Um, so yeah, I, I really love providing that experience for people. I noticed watching you guys that you uh, you didn't you didn't seem to smile a lot when you're on stage playing. You guys seem very focused. That you're very much like there in the zone. You guys were in your zone making the music, but I'm sure you're having a great time. I just didn't. And and I guess you guys were watching the crowd, looking at the crowd. But um, yeah, you guys look like you're really concentrating. Like very focused was one of my observations. Yeah, we're Indeed. we're not that fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great to watch. Uh, just to... We should smile more. I'm told that by people a lot. It depends on the gig too. You know, sometimes you're focused. Sometimes I'm a nervous wreck. Yeah. I don't know. There's different reasons for our focus. It's just how we are. Okay. You know, some musicians are super smiley and energetic and really have this stage presence, and maybe we don't have that as much. Well, you guys have the presence for sure. You have the stage presence. We, Everybody that was watching you was captivated, so um, great music. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> a, couple more, <laughs> a couple more questions, then we'll wrap it up. I wanted to ask you guys what advice you would have for somebody who's just starting out in the arts, in music or whatever. What kind of advice would you give them? I feel like if they're getting into electronic music, they should definitely learn how to play the piano. Okay. Because that's a great way to interface with the computer. Yeah. You know, and just listen to a lot of different styles of music and get your inspiration from a lot of different places. Okay. And, um, you know, just keep at it. Like, believe in yourself. Do something different. And, you know, don't try to follow people. Trevor, what do you think holds people back from getting to the level of, say, like where you guys are? Of, of becoming a professional musician or DJ or whatnot? For young people, I think it's focus. Okay. And that was my problem as a young person. What do you mean? Young people want to hang out with their friends. They want to party. And finding success with music, I think it takes a lot of focus. It yeah. takes a lot of sacrifice. You need to be in the studio working. You need to be learning you need to be making a lot of music and, and getting it out there, not holding back on it. Just release it, get it, get it into people's ears. Okay. And when I meet young people that have that focus, I, I think that those are the ones that tend to get known and, and have success faster. Sure. But music popularity is a, is a strange thing. You know, it's, it is about the sound you have and, and sometimes how good you are, but not always. It's about timing. It's about luck. Sometimes it's about a look, too. There's so many things that go into it. It's it's so random. I've, I've known so many musicians that are so good and never got really well known. Yeah. And, and I've seen musicians that I wouldn't think are as good as some of those people, and they're huge. Sure. You know, so it is random. There's a lot that goes into it that that is beyond music 
But my advice to people is to stand out and not fit in. I like you that. know, it's do something different, be unique, and and hopefully it works out. Sure, sure. If you had uh, 60 seconds with 20-year-old Trevor, what advice would you give him? To get your ass in the studio and stop partying <laughs> with your friends and hanging out all the time and 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 uh, finish your freaking songs. <laughs> Amani, how about yourself? Stop sitting in the studio so much. Go, <laughs> go to the fucking, go to the gym, man. <laughs> your back's gonna hurt later. <laughs> yeah, get yourself in shape. Get yourself in shape now, twenty year old. Because yeah, you're gonna be suffering later. Stop sitting so much. That's fun. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so today you guys are working on this upcoming album, Breath. Uh, do you guys have a release date for that? Not yet, but it's definitely. In the fall, we'll be wrapping fall it up this year? the end of June, and then we'll have a specific release date at that point. Okay, cool, awesome. And Desert Dwellers, anybody has to just Google Desert Dwellers, and you guys dominate dominate Google. So if, to find out, you guys, desertdwellers.org is, yep. your, is your main That's website. That's the main website, yeah. I mean, you guys are on SoundCloud, I know, and there's videos on YouTube. and Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp, so you guys, are, you guys are all over the inter, interwebs. Um, Spotify. Spotify, yeah, thank you. Uh, I've got you guys on Pandora. I listen to you on the regular. And uh, any last any last words that either of you would like to share with the Crave audience? Amani. I'm really happy to have moved to Colorado and be a part of this community. Um, okay. I've been here about a year, and I'm, I'm just meeting tons of great people up here. So Awesome. You know, if you see me, come say hi. Okay. <laughs> uh, Trevor, how about you? Any last words? Yeah, I'm just really grateful for all of our fans and just all the success that we're having is we feel really fortunate and I uh, just want to thank our our awesome fans awesome well Trevor Armani I really appreciate you guys being on the podcast today taking the time to sit down and chat with me Trevor I know we had to get you in there uh, on this phone call so I, I appreciate that and Armani thanks for inviting me into your studio and, and have me sit down and, and share some time with you guys it was, a, it was a blast I look forward to seeing you guys play again soon Right on. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks so thanks much. Thanks so much. Yeah. Have a good one. Take care. The music for episode 20 of the podcast is, of course, the Desert Dwellers themselves. It is View from Lenny Ikea from the 2015 album The Great Mystery. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. And with your help, we can make that happen. So please take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. And if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know. And if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts. So tell us how we can improve. Remember, always be good to one another. And of course, take time to feed your soul with art. Thank you.